Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to Let's Straight Show, guys. It is Hump Day, Wednesday, July 29th, 2020. My name is Scott Fullerton, your esteemed host. And joining me in city tonight is our amazing intern, Mr. David. David, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? I am just peachy. How is everything in beautiful downtown Morganville? Um, well, not really leaving the house very much, but from the house, it looks just fine. There you go. We can't get out again. It's like it's, we're stuck in time all over again here, just uh, kind of doing our thing, right? Not much we can do. Yeah. And it's been hot as heck out. It's been hot over there by you. Northeast Ohio had a heat wave the last couple of weeks. It's a little mellower this week. We've been in the 90s lately. It's quite hot. I feel like once I step outside, I'm just dripping in sweat. Now, you're a skier. Do you prefer the cold or do you prefer the heat of summer? What's your preference? See, I like the cold a little bit better because uh, you can put on more layers, but when it's hot, you only can take off so many layers before you have no more no more layers to take off. So uh, I'm going to say that? I like the cold a little bit more, I guess. Oh, there you go. Very true. I, I am a beach guy. I don't have the beach body, but I do like being out on the beach <laughs> as opposed to the snow. <laughs> that is for darn sure. Uh, well, we had a great show last night, guys, if you missed it. Uh, we started off with our East Coast Entertainment Minute. We have our good buddy Adam Rothenberg from New York City come on once a month and let us know what's happening on Broadway and happening in the entertainment world on the eastern part of the United States. We had a good chat with him. Broadway is doing a couple murder mysteries over um, Zoom, Skype, whatever you want to streaming. Uh, one is going to be a murder musical mystery starring Alex Newell from Glee and from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And the other is going to be a Broadway whodunit by Andrew Barth Feldman, who plays the lead in Dear Evan Hansen, which is a huge Tony-winning musical in New York. So he let us know a little bit of insight all about that. And then we had for our special guest interview last night, my friend Paul Ruggieri was on. Paul is an Olympic-level athlete. He's an elite athlete on the U.S. men's gymnastics team, retired, 
Uh, he just barely, he was the Olympic alternate one time and just barely missed the Olympic team the other. Uh, but he had an amazing story to talk about post-elite um, athletic life. Uh, David, you can relate to this. Uh, David, uh, our intern, is on the ski team at school and had an accident. He was actually an elite gymnast. And I guess athletes that perform in a certain area, once you kind of retire from that, you go through a little depression because that's all you know. Talk about your ski experience. Have you been skiing a long time? Is this something just for fun at school? Is it something you ever thought about doing professionally? What does skiing mean to you? I'm definitely not good enough to ski professionally. But um, my cousin went to the same college as I currently go to, and she's an Olympic coach right now for skiing. And she was on the ski Mm. team. So I figured I've been skiing. Might as well do the ski team like her. So uh, that's why I did it. But I'm definitely nowhere near the uh, Olympic stage. Gotcha. Well, just just to be on the team is kind of cool. Uh, Anyway, it was a great interview with Paul last night. If you missed it, be sure to uh, check it out at all your favorite podcast distributors. We're on iHeartRadio and Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And while you're there, do me a favor and just subscribe. Check the little subscribe button. You don't have to listen to every episode, but you'll find you'll get a little notice whenever we have a new episode on. Look it over, see if it's someone you're interested in learning about. And if you do listen to the episode, we appreciate if you give it a five-star rating because that puts our show up higher in the search rank listing. So I appreciate that. Tonight, in just a little bit, we're going to have a great show for you. We're going to start off with our Wednesday Pop Culture Minute with our good friends from Nashville, Tennessee, Josh and Jeff from J&J Buzz. Last week, they called in from vacation in Naples, Florida. They are back in Nashville today. So they're going to give us a Pop Culture Minute in just a little bit. And then we have one live interview this week. All week long, we're doing just one live interview. We're doing hour shows instead of our regular two-hour shows. But we're having our special guest interview today, BP Major. He is from Australia, an entertainer, singer, actor from there. He has his own YouTube show on right now. So we're going to talk to him and see what life is like in his world. So let's go ahead and start things off. Any interesting things to talk about that I missed, David? Anything on your mind you want to get out there? Well, so our team, the Left of Straight team, already talked about it, but I feel like the story of Adafe Okporo is pretty impressive and remarkable. So uh, I don't know if he's a household name, but uh, he's a gay refugee from Nigeria. And while growing up in Nigeria, he experienced a lot of persecution, mobs, and even some death threats, which resulted in him wanting to come to America. And once he stepped foot in America, he apparently had this idea that all those, all that persecution would disappear. But uh, as many of our viewers would know, uh, that's not the case here. We are, we definitely have our own problems. Uh, so while seeking asylum, he faced a lot of scrutiny in the uh, detention center. Because uh, apparently, if you're LGBT, you face much more scrutiny in the detention centers. But once he got out, he wasn't like he was detained, just waiting for asylum. He didn't do anything bad. But uh, once he left and got his asylum, uh, they kind of don't really give you anything. They're just like, here you go. 
this is America. Hope you can do it. <laughs> so he was kind of just right. left to his own, to his own uh, ideas, I guess. And he was looking for things to do when an opening opened up at a refugee shelter in New York City. He's now the executive director at that shelter, and he's really doing a lot of good work there. The shelter is now the only full-time shelter in New York City for asylum seekers, and I just think it's remarkable that he's out here being the help that he needed in his time of need for others. That is an amazing story, and I appreciate you, especially in the Let's Trade team, for sharing that. We really need to know about people like this that are doing things, going from a different adversity, because everyone has adversity, whether it be LGBT, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be nationality, religion, everyone's fighting something. But people, not many people can, can overcome really deep hardships. And that's an amazing story. Thanks for sharing that, my friend. No problem. All right. Well, we are going to. There's not too much else in the news right now. I have some. Uh, I got some stuff in the email about some really cool things that are going to be happening on TV and streaming soon that I'll share tomorrow. But let's go ahead and jump into our pop culture minute. We're going to talk to our fiancés from Nashville, Josh and Jeff, with J and J Buzz. Take it away, boys. We'll be back on the other side. You'll see the Left of Straight show right here in the Left of Straight Radio Network. You are listening to Josh and Jeff on J&J Buzz, exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. Now, live from Nashville, Tennessee, here's Josh and Jeff. Hey, what up, y'all? Hey, what's up, what's up? So we're back from vacation. Oh, I miss it already. Yeah, it was great out there. I mean, uh, y'all, I, I couldn't even post all the videos, but we got a convertible. We rented a convertible. It was... And you were driving it crazy? Uh, no, I was not driving it crazy. Okay, so this car, y'all, had like five different speed settings, and it was amazing. It was pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're glad to be back. We're back in Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> I'm glad you have your cowboy boots on and your jock strap, so it's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we got a bunch of news to get through, but before we do, you know, my new single that I just dropped. Oh. Okay, y'all, I, I know you are you don't care because nobody does, and like two people have bought it, but I, I have a brand new single called Coronavirus, and it's all instrumental. But before we listen to all that, just uh, go for it. Okay. An HIV-positive man in India had a successful liver transplant from a brain-dead donor, a rare procedure. He was discharged 12 days after the procedure. That's a quick uh, healing. Yeah, yeah, that is quick. But, you know, what's cool is that um, that really hasn't happened a lot. I don't... Because they don't allow positive people to get... Uh, like transplants from other people, which is stupid. Oh, uh, don't even get me started on that. I got you. Anyway, that was my new single. Uh, coming up next, okay, there was a candidate for sheriff uh, of, what is it, Alpine County, Michigan, and uh, 
he's gotten some harsh criticism because of a text message that he sent using his work phone. You know how people get in trouble with their text messages? <laughs> Not me, because I don't text anybody. Uh, in it, he said he wanted to shoot gay men. Well. <laughs> Newsweek reports that Terry King, who's currently seeking the sheriff office, sent the messages to a relative in October 2013. Yeah, so he saw two guys holding hands, and he said, where's my freaking gun? He, and then his relative wrote back on text, said, they kiss and stuff. <laughs> like the guy sitting beside us. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then the relative, of, uh, and then King replied, uh, quote, bang, bang, end quote. <laughs> I mean, this they, is country as... They just need to stay up wherever they're at, up on that mountain somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I almost dropped the F-bomb. That's country as hell, y'all. That is uh, not cool, but um, that queers. dude... <laughs> some queers. Get the freaking queers. Get the guns. They don't know. They're, they're dumb to not think that some of us queers have guns, too. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. You know, this corona stuff is just, it's crazy. Six out of ten gay men hide corona from their partner. What? <laughs> they cor- how do you hide it? Nine out of ten had no sex or sex with only one other in the past month. I feel like that's me sometimes. Uh, not that you don't, no, not about the corona, just n- not having sex sometimes, you know? All right, now look here. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a day, y'all. It's one been whole day. 24 Anyway, y'all, it was so great to be back in Nashville with you. I'm Josh. And I'm Jeff. And this is J&J Buzz. Guess we got to get busy with something. (laughs) Okay, y'all, I got to go. Bye. This was J&J Buzz, exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. Those silly boys, they are back again. All right, big shout-out. Thank you, Josh and Jeff, for that Pop Culture Minute. Guys, we are going to get ready to play out uh, for our next guest. Like I said, he is a musician. He's an actor. He's a host. He has his own YouTube show. He has done it all. So we're going to go ahead and play a song by BP Major, and it's very timely for today's uh, day and age. It was brought, It was three years ago he brought this song out, but it's very, very timely. So we're going to play Resist by BP Major. When we come back, we're going to be talking to him on the other side. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. Judgment based on color or creed Never ignore those in need Only come from love within Resistible driven insane You got one life, it's yours to live Just one love is ours to give You 
the mold. Stand up strong, defend my brother. Carry my sisters, respect my mother. You've got one life, it's yours to live. Just one love is out to Where he started his career at just nine years old, acting on Australian TV. Eventually, that career took him to being one of the city's leading dancer and performers, where he worked with the likes of Kylie and Danny Minogue, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, and many others. As he eventually started pursuing a music career, he moved to Stockholm, where he was a top finalist on Pop Stars, the singing competition show there. And still not being fulfilled, he moved to Bollywood, where he worked on two hit films as the lead dancer. Eventually, he made his way here to the U.S., where he's worked with some of the biggest names in the business, from music to films. And he's currently involved in a series he created and stars in, Major Minors, on YouTube, where he mentors other young performers trying to get into the business. Please welcome the show to talk all about this and so much more. The handsome and talented Mr. BP Major. BP, how you doing, buddy? Hey there, Scott. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I appreciate you having you on today. How is everything in beautiful downtown L.A.? Are you uh, surviving round two of this pandemic? Are you a cooker or are you a Postmate guy? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually cooking drumsticks in the air fryer as we speak, and Maybe you just nice. heard the ding. The bell went off, so it's ready. I'm definitely a cooker. Um, things have been good. I mean, uh, I know it's uh, it's not so great, but I've sort of been living in a bit of a bubble. Um, so I go from my home uh, to my studio and back to my home, and that's, that's right. about it. Not much else you can do, that's for darn sure. I was actually supposed to yeah. be – 
in Palm Springs. I take my show for four weeks of live shows in Palm Springs every year. It should have been week three. We would have had you on live and put you up in the resort for a night, but that's not happening, unfortunately. Oh, I'm still banned. Rep, we need to redo live. that. We've got to redo that. I know. I might I be able to come up that. there during Pride in November. <laughs> if I come up during November, you can come up for Pride, and we'll have you on Yay. live at the resort. We'll have some fun. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Let's get a little background. It's your first time on the show, BP. Uh, talk about growing up in Australia. What kind of a kid were you, and what was it like there? Well, growing up in Australia was um, sort of like you would imagine. All the boys play football, all the girls go to dancing, all the dads drink beer. Um, <laughs> I did all of the above, the dancing and the football, and not so much the beer. Nice. So um, it was interesting. I went to a small school, and I had an older brother who I probably now realize knew that I was gay, and um, was gave me <laughs> gave me a bit of a hard time for a, for a minute as all big brothers do. But growing up right. there was awesome. Um, you know, I, I I like my foundation, my Aussie foundation, where we're we work hard and there's no BS and there's no attitude and you you know you you got to get to work. And uh, I started work when I was very young, at nine years old on Aussie TV, and um, that sort of came about when. I said to my parents, you know, I want to get it. I want to be on TV. I want to be a star. And they're like, well, you know, we don't know what to do. <laughs> so I flicked <laughs> through the yellow pages and I uh, found an agent in the yellow pages and then asked my parents to drive me on the weekend. And they drove me over and I got an agent. And the next week I booked two commercials and sort of that's, that started the ball rolling. That's and, amazing. Uh, I love that. And what was, what was your fascination with it? Were you a big TV watcher, or what kind of was your fascination with the entertainment business? Well, I think uh, we used to have a show in Australia called Young Talent Time, and I think it's mm. like the Mickey Mouse Club. And um, okay. I used to watch that. Well, I used to watch Fame and Young Talent Time religiously. And um, Saturday nights was the Young Talent Time night, and it was a, like. It was sort of these kids performing live every Saturday night. And one of the kids in the group was Danny Minogue, who's Kylie's sister. And I was like the biggest Danny fan during that show. And I was like, I want to be on that show. <laughs> and I think, I, think that was, I think that sort of started the, the whole fascination with performing and wanting to be on TV. And, and funny enough, all these years later, um, Danny and I ended up uh, doing a show together in the late 90s. We did Greasy Arena Spectacular, and we've been best mates ever since. So it's funny how, you know, life turns out. Exactly. That is so cool. And we'll talk a little more when we talk about uh, your show, because I saw she was one of your mentors you brought aboard, and you brought some great mentors we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, you talk about being uh, your brother knowing you were gay when you were younger. When did you come out to your fir- to yourself first, and when do you think you maybe tribe? How did you find your LGBTQ tribe? I think for me, um, I always knew that I was different, um, but I didn't mind being different. I actually, you know, I embraced it, and I, I was quite. I think I was quite strong, and I was more concerned about other kids being picked on than, than myself. So um, I didn't 
you know, I sort of embraced being a little bit different. I would get up at the school assembly and sing share songs, which is absolutely embarrassing. So I don't know. How, I mean, if you didn't know I was gay, I mean, there's something wrong with you because she was gay and she was at the assembly every week wanting to do something. And that was quite you know, early on. But I wasn't, um, there was no sort of sex or gay things that I did because um, you didn't really hear about it or know about it or read about it. And we didn't have any gay friends, but um, I just knew something was a little different. And, um, but I always just thought I was an entertainer. And then uh, I, I reckon around like 17, 18, I sort of was quite comfortable and came to terms with that. And also working in entertainment, I started work so young that I was quite often around adults most of my life. So, Everyone was pretty right. comfortable with that type, you know, with gays. And so nothing was really an issue as far as um, peers in the, in the business. Of course, it's a gotcha. little different when, um, you know, uh, more executives in the business were completely different. <laughs> you know, back then right. you weren't supposed to be gay. And, you know, my manager at the time when I was in my early 20s wanted me on a TV show and was like, well, you know, um, you have to be straight, and I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not playing this game anymore. So I sort of decided from then to be um, openly quite comfortable with who I am. There you go. Good for you. I love that. Well, let's talk about your career. As I said, you are multi-hyphenate from music to dance to acting to hosting. What kind of is your jam these days? You've run the awards in music. You've got this great hit show. What draws you more these days? What's kind of your entertainment of choice, we'll say? Well, it's interesting. Um, when I'm doing the new show with the kids, I, um, I love it so much because I, I feel like I'm contributing something. So I'm, mm. I'm mentoring, I'm teaching, I'm giving them the knowledge that uh, I never had as a kid. I didn't have any of these opportunities as a kid. And that, to me, um, it's just such an, a wonderful feeling. And the performance comes with it because, you know, I'm still on camera and <laughs> I still feel like I'm a performer, you know, without, you know, the, the whole song and dance routine. And right. um, so I'm, I'm loving this at the moment. It's sort of one of the most uh, enjoyable and fulfilling things I've done, I think, throughout my career because um, I'm making a positive change on these kids' lives. And that feels really good. So um, I'm, I'm really loving it. I, I, I hope it continues. I hope it grows into something bigger and more, you know, extravagant than it is. And I'd love to have more kids. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been, that's been a, a really big surprise for me. But I still love live performance. You know, there's nothing nothing like being on a stage and hearing an audience scream and hearing your music and telling, you know, thousands of people to put their hands in the air and they all do what they're told. There's nothing that beats sure. that. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's start with the show then. and We'll kind of move into the live performances. Um, love the name. <laughs> Major Miners. Work with... what, <laughs> Thank you. Where did this concept come to you? Um, have you always kind of felt 
you wanted to kind of teach and mentor like this? Where did the concept for the show come to you from? So for a while now, I've been wanting to create something with kids where I actually give them the knowledge that I never had growing up. And, you know, I'm single. I don't have a husband. I don't have kids. Um, so it's all of a sudden I've got these surrogate kids that um, have now come into my <laughs> life. And it's been quite interesting. Um, but th- this ball started rolling when my first girl, Gia, who just turned 11, I mean, she's an incredible singer. And um, her father was, uh, we had met on a construction site. Duh, long story. So he then sees say, my Instagram. I was not expecting and, um, that part of the story, but go ahead. No, I know. Yeah, look, jack of all trades. So um, I, we meet on a construction site, and he, then we become friends. He sees my Instagram, sees that I'm working with Maddie Ziegler and Mackenzie Ziegler, um, Brittany, and all these sort of young – well, Brittany's not that young anymore, but all these kids. And uh, he kept saying, oh, you know, my daughter sings, my daughter sings. And I'm like, um – no, I'm not interested. And he's like, can she sing for you? And I'm like, no. And then, he's like, then he was, well, can, can you introduce her to the kids that you work with? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I've got you know, nieces and nephews here. So I started taking her to, you know, I took her to meet Sean Mendes and the Jonas Brothers and the Ziegler sisters when I was working with all those kids. And, and then I started to have a relationship with Gia, and then he was like, can she sing for you? And I was like, okay, she can sing for me once, but if she's terrible, I'm going to tell you she's terrible, and it's going to be uncomfortable for you, but it's not going to be uncomfortable for me. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and so she came and sang, and, you know, she's absolutely adorable. And I could see straight away she had um, fantastic talent. So I worked with her um, for, for, for about a month, and then, uh, at the end of the month, I said to her, okay, I'll commit to you, but these are my rules. We're doing this Australian style. I'm not going to put up with any nonsense or, you know, attitude. And she agreed to the rules, and I said the same thing to the parents, you know, there's rules. And so we've been now working together ever since. And then that sort of evolved into creating the show, and I was speaking to um, different friends in the business about the idea and having a lot of meetings with TV people. And it was sort of something that I've been wanting to do. And I feel like it, it happened the way that it was supposed to happen. And now I have multiple kids. I have a second girl called Danica who just turned nine. And I absolutely love this kid. She's, you know, she's completely different to Gia. And uh, the whole premise though of the show is that we all have a talent. We all have something that makes us special. And um, I would like to help you bring out that thing, whatever it is that makes you special. So I'm not so interested in just singers or just dancers or just actors. You know, I, I ha- I'm holding a global talent competition at the moment on the show, which I'm doing I with Melissa Gastoni. Yeah, it's like super cute. You know, Melissa was on the show Dance Moms and her and I do this together every week. And we have kids submitting from all over the world um, and it's fantastic because kids are stuck at home at the moment. There's all this social distancing and coronavirus everywhere. So I'm like, let's just do something where kids can be in the safety and comfort of their own home and uh, share their talents with us. So the show is evolving and um, it's starting to take a little, you know, a mind of its own. And I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm just, I'm here for the ride. That's awesome. I it keeps I, well, going. It's really <laughs> 
I really like it. Like I said, I, I went through a couple episodes and the thing I like about it, and, and this is not a dig on Melissa whatsoever, obviously, but um, the thing that I like is it's for, you see Gia's mom in the background, but it's not, I don't know, my, my reference, I don't know how long you've been in the States, the John Benet Ramsey thing, where is it the parents pushing the kid or is the kid really wanting it? And it really looks like these girls want this to happen for them, and you're behind them 100% building their dreams it's not someone else's dream for them and that's and dance moms was always interesting to me because it focused on the parents as much as it focused on the kids and i think the great thing about your show is you're really focusing on these girls currently and it really showcases their talent and your passion for making them succeed so i really like the way you're doing that my friend oh thank you i appreciate that going into this from the beginning um and having meetings within the industry, um, I kept getting the same response. Well, you're not angry. You know, you need to be like Abby Lee Miller. And I'm like, I don't, because my whole thing is, you want to be here, I want to inspire you to be the best you can be. If you don't want to be here, I'm not going to make you be here. There's the door. Get out of here. I'm not, I'm not here to argue with parents or kids. So if you really want exactly. it, we'll, we'll do it together. And I don't believe, there's times, of course, where um, the kids aren't having a good day. Last week, Gia was having a moment, and we are getting ready to do another shoot. And I was just, look, if you don't want to be here anymore, I support you. I will never be angry at you. If you don't want to be here, you know, you know, there's the door. But if you do want to be here, then suck it up and work, because this industry is going to take so much, you know, out of you or out of us. And uh, you, you do need to be tough, but. I think you'd need that passion and that drive. And that's what I want to inspire the kids to do, no matter which path in life they decide to take. Right. And, and look, you've and having, had 16 oh, episodes sorry. now, and it's about earlier you've had some great mentors on the show. Brian Justin Crum is a friend of our show. He was just on a couple of weeks ago. And you did have uh, Danny on, and she kind of talked to her about that and saying, look, I, was, I started at 7, and I was full-time by 10, and really letting them know what this is all about. Talk about being able to bring some of your friends into the show and incorporate them with these other mentor lessons. I think that's a great part of it. Yeah, that that sort of happened, um, to be honest, that just happened because I was like, oh, you know what, I need to make a sizzle reel. You know, and a sizzle reel is the little reel that you use to sell your concept to a, a production right. company or, or a network. And I was like, so I called Danny, I called Melissa, I called Brian, I called Miss J, and I'm like, can you guys just, you know, come in and do this, this thing for me? And at the time, I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to shoot a little sizzle reel. But then what happened was I started to see that my friends would come in, and they, they took it as seriously as I did. And all of my friends are so passionate. They're so successful. None of them are horrible divas. Like, they all work really, really hard. <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing for me to see my friends come in and then speak to Gia in, a, in an inspirational tone and offer their advice. Um, and they all have different pieces of advice. But the one thing that I found fantastic with every guest that I've had on the show is basically everyone has the similar message. And it's like, you got to work. You, if you don't want it, it's not going to happen. Like, if you really want this, then you got to work at it. And um, 
that's what I love about having Melissa from Dance Moms involved with, because she went through the whole thing with her girls. And um, that was a completely different experience for her girls because right. they worked they work extremely hard, but they're getting, uh, you know, screamed at. And Melissa is loving this experience too because she comes along and it's all just, we work, we smile, we laugh. Like we had a shoot on Saturday. Everybody there is smiling. Everybody's laughing. I don't overwork anyone because I know what I'm doing. We get in there, we get the job done, and we get out of there. Because quite frankly, I need to have a cocktail too sometimes. So I don't <laughs> need to be working all day. <laughs> Daddy needs his adult uh, yeah. beverage. I like it. I like it, definitely. Yep. And uh, talk about um, what about the freedom of YouTube? Do you like doing the YouTube where you're kind of creating this all yourself and I'm sure you probably want to sell it eventually to something or at least the concept, if not the entire show. But talk about the freedom of a YouTube compared to a TV and executive over your neck the entire time. So the interesting thing with YouTube is that I get to make all the decisions. And um, I love that because I was being told a lot in during these meetings that you know, I needed to scream more or, you know, they needed to be more drama. And I was just like, that's not what I'm selling. And I think that right now uh, where we are um, socially and globally is people need to stop ripping into each other for the sake of entertainment and we should be inspiring each other. So I love the fact that I can create something that is the way that I, a story the way that I want it to be told. And so the beauty of YouTube is, you can create that story your own way. And the thing that has happened now since we're on YouTube is now I realize, you know what, maybe this is the right platform for me because it's already global. I've got kids watching from all around the world. So if I was on a network program, for example, it would start in that country and hopefully it grows and it expands and it goes to other countries. But right now on YouTube, we are already global. And that just keeps or opens so many doors for us already. So I would, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this, this unfolds, because if it starts to do well on YouTube, uh, maybe we just stay on YouTube forever. You know, I like times it. have changed. Since, sure. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, we had to audition and, um, you know, book these uh, network gigs. But now it's like you you can create your own stuff, tell your own story, and put it out there. And if there's a market for you, then fantastic, you know. I like it. I agree 100%. I think the creative control is very nice. Uh, I think that, as you said, you get that audience. I mean, you have you've got almost a million views on on your YouTube, and you have some cable channels that are barely getting tens to hundreds of thousands of listeners so you're a, a watcher so you're starting out with this and you're already into the game so i'm very impressed with it i like it Thank a you. lot Thank well let's you. talk about your music career a bit because uh we started out with resist and as i kind of told you off air there it's uh from 2017 but it's so relevant today talk about the impetus of that song and uh what how you came up with that so um, I was w- when I called into you and we were off air and I heard a bit of my song Resist, um, it sort of took me back because I haven't heard it for a while. And I actually really loved that song. And I don't say that about 
everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty critical <laughs> of myself. Um, but I really love that song. And I wrote that song originally for the Pride Resist March. Um, when was that? 2016, 17? I can't remember. A couple of years ago. And right. I, 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 I was going to be involved in the march. And, you know, I, I'd headlined L.A. Pride 2011, 2012. So um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a song and for this march. And so that was sort of what got the ball rolling with Resist. And I had written the song and I'd got it ready for the march. And, you know, I don't know, politics, who knows, uh, never ended up using the song for the march. And I was really disappointed because it's such a great song and it has such a great message. Um, and then recently with the Black Lives Matter movement, I... I was so disturbed by the killing of um, George Floyd that I um, ended up cutting a little like one minute video sort of honoring him. And I, I cut that to the, um, my song resist. And it was really, it was, I thought it was a beautiful video and um, it was just something small I posted on Facebook and, um, and I really wanted to, you know, have that song um, be a voice as well for Black Lives Matter movement. But I'm a white gay boy from Australia, so I didn't <laughs> think it was really that appropriate coming from me. But um, the song is, is is very very simple. The message the message is simple. The melody is beautiful, um, and it's just you know we are who we are. And there's one part of the song that's like the color of my skin, the clothes of my back don't give anyone the right to hold me back. And it's true. Like I've lived around exactly. the world and yes, I'm white and blonde and I tend to fit in physically um, everywhere, but I have been an immigrant um, in three countries. So, you know, I've never been black. I've never been Brown. Um, so I don't know how I can't speak firsthand, but I can, exp I can talk from my own experiences and, and um, it's just a simple song that just I think hits the message so I was I was happy to hear you play it because <laughs> you know sometimes no, you make things wonderful. and you feel like it's forgotten you know and so thanks for playing that I I do love oh, that no song. problem I chose I, I was watching the you had a lyric video out of it on your channel and I was just reading the words along it's like and music is is universal, right? Music is international. There is no bounds on it, and yep. I think the theme is exactly what we need. So, I would re-release it to heck, or give it to a to a Blackboard because it's an amazing beat, amazing song, and uh, be proud of it, my friend, because I really enjoyed it a lot. Thank um, you. That about, means a lot. I appreciate it. The EDM music. What kind of draws you to that? Um, you've gotten some great awards there, as I said. You've won uh, LA Music Awards, uh, Artist of the Year, um, Artist of Music Awards. Talk about these and what draws you to that genre of music. So the thing I love about dance music is the energy and the dancing. So um, I was a professional dancer for a long time. So when I'm out on stage, I really love to dance. Sorry, so... Um, I started to write dance music and um, I really enjoy it because I get to go out on stage, dance. Uh, I just I just decided years ago that, you know, what, I'm just doing fun from now on. I'm just going to do fun, things that make me laugh, things that make me smile. 
when I'm performing that type of music, it gives me the opportunity to get out on stage with all my dancers and just have fun. It's like having a little disco, but you just happen to have an audience, you know? Right. And also, um, it also affords me the opportunity to dress really outrageous, which I love to as well. So, you know, some of my costumes have been pretty over the top and, um, and I love it. Um, so that's why I love doing that style of music because it's, it's just allows me to have, you know, a little different personality and be someone else for, for a show. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. That just started happening and I went, went with it. <laughs> I'm happy to get like back it. on stage no, and great. continue doing it. <laughs> now, when you're writing music, do, do you write music through the, music itself first or do you write lyrics first or does it really depend how does your music come to you so for me i write i love to write um i love to read i love to write so quite often i will um things things will either come to me from a situation you know i i have another song called divine cure and that music video was really intense, and that was um, directed by my friend Jeffrey Reddick, who had created the Final Destination movies. Um, and that song, for example, I was watching the BBC or something when I was living in Europe, and there was a story about a church in New York that was um, doing gay conversion therapy, and I was, I was horrified because I'd never even heard of that. So, mm. you know, I, I started to write down my feelings and that's that's how that song came about um sometimes i'll just be another song electronic lover i was literally in bed three o'clock in the morning and i'd just been single for the first time in a very long time and discovered internet dating and i could not get off the computer <laughs> i was like <laughs> obsessed <laughs> And so there was one night I literally could not sleep. And I'm like, oh, my God, 3 a.m. And I took out my pen and paper, and I'm like, 3 a.m., the clock ticks on. And, you know, and then all of a sudden I, I've written another dance track. Um, so well, we're going to play out to that, that song in a little bit because I did like that. It was kind of fun because I liked it. <laughs> so we're going to play out to that song at the end of the interview. Oh, thank you. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, I like that. I like that you're able to get that right to to get the lyrics and then kind of bring the music to it. Um, you've worked with some great people, like we said already. Do you have? And I think just in your dancing, the other stuff you work with people like Jennifer Lopez and Gaga and Spears and all these people. As far as collaborating with, if you were to um, music and either write for someone else, who would you like to write for? Form with someone who would you like to perform with? Well, well, in the 90s, I really wanted to work with Michael Jackson and Madonna. Um, they were mm. really inspirational to me um, growing up. Though now, I think I've worked with Gaga, like in some of her music videos, but I really love the way that that woman performs. Like, I just love to watch her. So I would love to perform with her. Uh, I think she's, I know she's extremely professional and she puts 200% in and that I, I right. find inspiring. So I think that would be um, great, incredible on stage. 
So yeah, I would like to one day maybe perform with her on stage. Um, actually, my sister loves that Resist song, and she called me up again. And she's like, I was listening to Resist again. And I'm like, okay. She's like, <laughs> I don't want to offend you, but um, I really think you should give this to Lady Gaga because I really think she, I can hear her singing this. And I was like, I'm not offended. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> there you I go, haven't done exactly. that. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's funny though, I don't really think of myself as um, a strong songwriter to be honest it's i feel like i'm uh, i'm a good storyteller and that's sort of that's, that's all you need I, to do my friend that's all it takes definitely i love that well talk about um you are in front of the camera now every week with these new episodes you're putting out on uh, major minor but talk about going in front of the cameras again or on stage i mean you did a great job in that musical, uh, the rock opera Hunky Dory. We can talk about um, you've done different pride festivals. You said, is there something you want to be in front of the camera on and do some acting again? Is that a, a goal at all? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get back on camera. Um, to be honest, I, I would really, really love to be doing some type of musical film. Um I, I, my strong suit is being able to incorporate singing, dancing, and acting all together. So I really do hope that we have a resurgence of musical movies and that I could, um, I could make some in my lifetime because that's, that's been one dream of mine that I haven't yet uh, accomplished and uh, something that I know I would get, do great at and get a lot of, a lot of uh, personal pleasure from. Um, I do love being on stage live. I did do that David Bowie uh, rock opera was fantastic. And um, that was so fun to David Bowie for a moment. You have a Bowie and, sound too. You have a very Bowie sound, I think. I, I, I don't remember which song it was, but one you, I, I thought it was him at first. You, you're very similar in, in a lot of your enunciations. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Those, those songs are hard. Like <laughs> you you listen and, and you think, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that hard. And then when you start to learn them, you're like, what? <laughs> it's, um, it's complicated. And then, and there's a lot of words. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. And, and it's like the melody just changes. And you're like, what? I got to remember that, too. But um, <laughs> that wasn't easy, to be honest. And I... But I was so excited because I really loved the song Life on Mars. And I, I got to perform that, and that was awesome. I really loved that. There was another guy that sang um, that song with me in the rock opera. And um, he was a much stronger singer than me. Like, he, he was amazing. And, um, but I don't know. There was just something about being able to, to you know, be him for a moment. Um, I just really, really loved it. Nice. I like that. And uh, talk about, um, I, I remember, I'm trying to remember, you, you were in that big gay wedding. Is that like a Tony and Tina thing where you're part of an immersive theater experience? Yeah. Or is it a pure stage play? I love immersive yeah, theater. No. Oh, my gosh. That play was one of the longest running plays in L.A. history. It was one of the lowest paying jobs I've ever done in my life. Um, <laughs> it was so much fun. It was incredibly hysterical. 
So I came on right at the end. So what, what happened was, and I don't know whether this came out before Tony and Tina's, because I'd never even heard of that until people started to compare what we were doing um, with Tony and Tina's wedding. I think that's what it's called, right? Tony and Tina's wedding. Right. Uh-huh. Um, that's it. Yeah. So um, I got called in to sing because I needed a singer. And so I go in and I sing this um, this song that they'd written for the show. And it was really straight, lace, boring. The song was pretty, but the, the, there was literally no lines in the show. You go in. You sing the song in the church, and then basically you're just an extra. And so uh, the play actually took part in a real uh, church in North Hollywood. So the guests would arrive to a real wedding, and a lot of the audience members would not even tell their friends that they were going to a play. A lot of them invited people to, oh, can you come with me to my friend's wedding? So a lot of people showed up not even knowing that they were going. It was incredible. (laughs) And people would show up with gifts. And um, so anyway, I start, the the MD gives me the role and I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. And I'm like, oh, this money, terrible. And I'm like, and you want me to just do that? I'm like, oh, hell no. I am not driving all the way to North Hollywood to do one song and be forgotten. So (laughs) I I called (laughs) One of my dearest friends, um, his, his name is Perry, Perry Meek, and he designed for everybody, Cher, Spice Girls, Mariah, Gaga. He won an Emmy for um, Gaga. Nice. And I called him and I said, I'm like, hey, I'm doing this play and I'm just singing the song, but I need to pull focus. So I'm, this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I was like, so it was a gay, the, the whole premise is it's a gay wedding. It's a Jewish boy marrying a Christian boy. You know, one family's not into it. The other one's okay with it. And then at the, the reception, you know, someone's drunk and there's drama. And there's, it, was, it was really fantastic. So I said to him, look, I, I need to stand out. So I'm thinking that in, when I sing the song in the church, I want to wear my tuxedo. But underneath my tuxedo, I want to have rainbow flags Velcroed my shirt but no one's going to see it until um until i do the song and i and he's like okay so he made me these sequence rainbow flags that velcroed to my tuxedo shirt and so on opening night i didn't tell anybody because i was worried i was going to get fired um i love this (laughs) (laughs) I, i didn't even wear the flags like i hid them and then I would start the show from, um, I don't even know what you call it, the back of the church, like where the priest goes. So I would be right. in there and then I would come out uh, to the audience. And I, I disappeared back there just before I had to sing the song. And I, I, I Velcroed the flags on and I put my tuxedo jacket back on and then I came back out. Uh, and I'm standing at the front of the church and the piano starts and I start singing this song and I pretend to start crying and it's all emotional. And then I get my strength back and start peeling off my tuxedo jacket. And the audience is like, what is he doing? Because now I'm looking like I'm about to start stripping. <laughs> and all the cast members are like, what is he doing? So I then pull the jacket off and raise my arms out and have these big uh, gay flags hanging from my arms. And I got a standing ovation, and I did not get fired. <laughs> I and love that it. That is play. so great. <laughs> it was That's so an amazing fun. story. I oh, love yeah. that. Very cool. 
Well, BP Major, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to share you with my audience. You're going to have to come back, and we'll have a, a cocktail and adult beverage when I finally get out to L.A. this year. Thanks for being on the show, my friend. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I appreciate you sharing my story. Thank you. Yeah, let everyone know where they can follow you on Instagram and Twitter and where they can find your website and these great episodes on YouTube. Absolutely. You can follow me on at BP Major, M-A-J-O-R. And if you'd like to check out my show on YouTube, it's called Major Minors, and the channel is Major Creative Entertainment. Fantastic. All right. Well, stay on the line for me, BP. We're going to play out with aforementioned electronic lovers. So if you guys are bored after the show, jump on your computer. You have some inspiration right here from BP himself. Guys, thanks so much. We're going to be back to wrap things up in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Left and Straight Show right here on the Left and Straight Radio Network.
All righty, guys. We are back. Thanks to our guest, BP Major. That was his song, uh, Electric Electronic Lover. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show today. I had a good time. David, thanks for being on air with me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, I guess. <laughs> we had a great show today. Big shout out to Josh and Jeff, our friends out there in Nashville, their pop culture moment. Be sure to follow BP Major. It is a really good little series there. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to have our Thursday foodie minute with Rami. She's going to give us either another amazing recipe like she's been doing or, or uh, a review of a restaurant she's venturing out yet. I don't think she's venturing out yet. She's been giving us some amazing recipes, though. And then for the first time on the show, we're having Yawar Charlie on. He is on the CNBA. CNBC show uh, Listing Impossible. He is an amazing real estate agent, uh, an out and proud real estate agent, does these great big properties, sort of like a million-dollar listing type show. So he's going to be on the show for our interview tomorrow. And then on Friday, we'll be back to two interviews on Friday with Eric, with two authors. It's going to be kind of exciting stuff. One of the authors wrote a book based on his experience being Carrie Fisher's personal assistant. That's right. He was Princess Leia's personal assistant, and he'll be on Friday evening. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow David and all the interns at Left of Straight Radio on Instagram and Twitter, Left of Straight Radio on Facebook. And we're having trouble getting in TikTok, but it's Left of Straight at TikTok. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Left of Straight and also at Left of Straight Show on Facebook. And my personal profile on Facebook is Scott Fullerton. Send me over a friend request. All right, David, we made it through. Thanks so much. We're going to close this out of here. We will see you guys tomorrow, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. Bye-bye.